Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor, and today we're talking about the intellectual dark web. Just a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's factually incorrect, or even if you just disagree with us, we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know. Trevor, what's the intellectual dark web? So the term itself, intellectual dark web, was coined by this guy, Eric Weinstein, who is this... Actually, he's a mathematician by training, but he he does a bunch of different things. And it was a term coined to describe this kind of loose-knit, not even like explicitly associated with each other group of uh, people who describe themselves as public intellectuals, which is <laughs> one of one of the terms I find just a little bit pretentious, even even if I think it's you know true. Um, mm. And so, I mean, just just like a short list. I mean, that you know, people will debate who's actually a part of it, but. Um, but definitely like Eric Weinstein and then his brother, Brett Weinstein, who's a biologist, biology professor, um, <laughs> biologist. Um, <laughs> and then also uh, Jordan Peterson, who probably a lot of people have also heard of, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, Dave Rubin, Sam Harris. And I don't know if Joe Rogan's really considered part of it, but he like through his podcast has has had most of these people on to talk with it at one point or another mm. um and so it, it all kind of revolves around what i feel like is is a backlash to a lot of the uh, kind of quote-unquote political correctness sjw mm. type stuff that's become really prominent in the past uh decade or so so do you feel that that is legitimately what this is about it, it's a backlash and uh, two-part question one is this a backlash and two is it a backlash against political correctness and social justice warriors and that kind of stuff i don't know about social justice warriors specifically but it's it's definitely um it's definitely a backlash against the fact that there are certain uh the perception that there are certain things you just don't talk about or certain things you don't mm. debate even though they might be opinions that a lot of people actually hold in private, mm. that especially because the, the media is so as a whole, like pretty left leaning, which, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think I see as much of a problem with it as they do, but I definitely think it's a little bit of a problem. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's kind of at the core of it again, as, as a whole, because the, the various people have very different uh, opinions or can't have very different opinions. Yeah, so in this video you sent me, Ben Ben Shapiro, uh, <laughs> <laughs> talks about how perception <laughs> talks about how perception of the intellectual dark web is sort of perceived in the media as rabid. He says rabid right wing nut jobs. Mm -hmm. whereas the majority of the people in the group are progressive in some way or another. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, which is really interesting because, uh, and I think this gets back to kind of the whole IDW thing being a backlash against uh, quote unquote political correctness. Um, mm-hmm. Because if it's not a backlash, I mean, maybe there is something to, to it being a backlash against social justice warriors. Um, <laughs> I'm tempted to keep saying quote unquote, but it, it'll get annoying. So. <laughs> <laughs> um uh because because i think a lot the majority of these people i think would consider themselves like centrists or classical liberals or something like that Mm. um which which they would probably describe to mean that you know they 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 support uh you know gay rights and and uh you know black rights and racial justice and all that stuff they just think that the left as a whole is taking it too far and being too extreme about it Mm. um and then yeah there there are there are legitimately conservative people like ben shapiro but i think i think dave rubin although i i i kind of don't even pay attention to him at all because i just get the impression that he's kind of (laughs) 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 this is kind of a um a tool but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so where where do you think that impression comes from of uh, the media perceiving this as being a right wing sort of movement when it's largely left centralists. Right. Well, it's, 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 it's definitely right of where the, the left is as a whole right now, if that makes sense. Like, like, you know, if you think about like, like the New York times, uh, which most people would, would probably consider to be a pretty objective, uh, you know, center, source and not super biased um mm. like it's it, especially recently you know as, as more and more people from our generation have have started working there and influencing it um it's definitely gone pretty pretty far left mm. so it's 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 definitely right leaning relative to where the uh left is right now so i kind of take issue with this language of left and right and uh, even as a spectrum where mm-hmm. it's like you can go further to an extreme and that's more left like that, that doesn't really track with me with the actual situation and I'm especially concerned about the language that groups people into certain like identities based on where they are on that spectrum like if you are on a certain spot then you have a set of beliefs. And if you're further along, maybe you have more extreme beliefs, but you have to believe these certain things in order to be that place on the spectrum. That that doesn't work to me. That That's red flags. <laughs> yeah, and I, actually I think, so I think most people in, in the IDW would kind of agree with that. Like, kind of along those lines, like if you think about it, it is kind of weird that we group things like abortion and climate change together. right like if if you're on the right you have to believe that abortion is evil and that global warming doesn't exist Mm -hmm. for some reason i mean like (laughs) abortion because of christianity but again like the bible i don't think (laughs) really has an opinion on you know god damn it the earth is six thousand years old (laughs) (laughs) all right I, i was gonna say i have an opinion on when you know consciousness begins in, in the fetus or whatever when you know sure. it can feel pain mm-hmm. um so so yeah that the the idea that uh that everyone's ideologies should fit neatly onto this kind of one-dimensional spectrum 
is is kind of counterproductive. Mm-hmm. I think we also have to be especially careful when we're talking about these things to notice when someone is drawing the conclusion that X group of people, whether it's a, a political ideology or where they are on this left-right spectrum, that they are the problem. And for me, there's, there's, I, I, I'm of two minds here. And one mind says, God damn it, it it's just Ben Shapiro being the loudmouth right-wing conservative hijacking this, this so-called movement or a group of people and making it about it's the rabid left that's the problem and the the reaction in the media against this group as being uh right wing is because of him in particular stirring up that angle now that that's that's one i feel like that has to be a part of it but that's only half of what i think it's probably the situation and maybe we'll get into the other half in a second yeah so so uh so we'll link we'll link to this this ben shapiro video that uh that that we both watched which is kind of just an overview with of an interview with of interviews with a bunch of different people um but maybe it would help to go a little bit into the history of the whole the whole thing yeah please so um it was it was coined by this guy eric uh weinstein who i think i mentioned is is a mathematician and he actually <laughs> the most recent thing he's he's kind of been in the in the news for is he he came up with a theory of everything <laughs> okay um uh called geometric unity <laughs> and you can you can go you can go you know there's videos of of him lecturing on it on youtube for you know like three or four hours or something okay <laughs> and it's still kind of impenetrable um uh but anyway he he i think he coined it kind of offhandedly maybe a little tongue-in-cheek um and (laughs) i think it's a really stupid name because like the dark web is where you go to get like illegal porn and like do illegal things and like (laughs) by meth sculptures and stolen private jets yeah and commit fraud and yeah it's just like (laughs) um yeah i just think it's a dumb name um (laughs) noted um yeah so he he was kind of the one who who coined it and i i forget exactly how it's related but um so his brother brett weinstein uh was at the center of one of these kind of uh campus culture kind of firestorm things where there was a i think see if we get the story right so i think there was there was some kind of uh day where it was the tradition for um for for students of color to stay home to kind of you know on a certain day to represent um you know to kind of represent what what they added to the community mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah um and so i think in 2017 this was at um he was a, a biology professor at evergreen college which is this pretty famously like um left-leaning school in washington mm. and yeah, so they had this day that was traditionally that the students of color would stay home to kind of represent what they were adding to the to the community. And in 2017, people at the school decided that the right thing to do would be to have all the white students stay home. Mm. Um, and and of course, you know, the students of color staying home was voluntary and the white students staying home seemed like it was kind of going to be enforced, you know, or like it was it was kind of compulsory. Weird. Yeah. I mean, not, not like, you know, it gunpoint or anything but but like 
um i i think you know the implication was if you don't stay home you're you know you're a bad person like that mm. kind of thing strange <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so he uh he didn't think that was right and like wrote a letter to the school or something um and it ended up being this this huge controversy and uh i think he ended up leaving the school mm. um so so he was he was kind of at the center of 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 one of these uh campus controversies that have that had ha- have happened over the past decade or so um Mm. most most of which have have involved like you know speakers getting canceled that were supposed to speak at the school things like that mm-hmm. and so that turned into the intellectual dark web yeah again i, I uh okay yeah so yeah so the the term intellectual dark web was coined uh, kind of as a direct response to that inc- uh, that incident at evergreen mm. and from there they just sort of started incorporating more members with uh, larger audience spaces? Yeah, well, I think it, it kind of already existed. Um, like the ne- network itself already existed. And it, it the interesting thing um, is that it is kind of center, centered around this medium of, of podcasting. Mm. What do you think that is? I, th- I think there, there are definitely a few reasons. I mean, one, one of the big, the big catalysts was definitely Joe Rogan's podcast, which has been around for, for a long time and just has a just insanely huge audience. <laughs> right um yeah and i think i think what podcasting offers that's unique is it's you know at at least for the the kind of podcasts like we're doing where it's you know an hour or more of two people just talking to each other or three people um uh is that it's a really in-depth look at a certain topic that that couldn't really be expressed you know in a sound bite or Mm. you know in, in a 10 minute video or that kind of thing so you have um, more time to get into the nuances of the situation. Exactly. Yeah, and kind of work out any any disagreements that might be there. Mm. And uh, you know, it's it's like the closest thing that exists to that in mainstream media outside of, you know, actual like de- presidential debates and and you know, debates like political debates that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um usually it's you know just like the the five talking heads on CNN <laughs> you know who each get like a minute to say their their bit and they have to make it short and punchy and mm. and it's all very kind of surface level and and not super super in-depth yeah well okay this this segues into uh something that i wanted to discuss so i guess uh could i say one more thing of course that? yeah so um I, I think what it also contrasts with is is social media I mean, de- definitely, you know, definitely Twitter, which is just right. kind of reactionary, mm. you know, people firing off, or I shouldn't say reactionary people, people firing off reactionary responses to, to you know, very short, condensed statements, mm. and um, even even Facebook, where you can you can post longer, more in depth things, but everything is still happening. Like you're having a conversation with somebody, but it's it's like public in real time. People can kind of interject you know, mm. at any point and everyone can see what you're saying. So there's like incentive to not, you know, stir the pot too much. Yeah. And there's constantly new material being added. The the posts, the feed just keeps on going. So there's that tempo that kind of pushes you forward. Like there's a limited amount of time to say the thing you're trying to say before it's no longer relevant. Right. And, it, and if you say something that's, you know, that most of your friends would find controversial then you'll you'll end up having like a pile on thing where everyone will just you know 
there'll be like 50 comments <laughs> saying how wrong you are <laughs> yeah and like, yeah <laughs> so since we just did an episode on the idiot by dostoevsky I, I listened I listened through the audiobook of that whole thing leading up t- to the episode and there's this moment that I remember from the first time I read the book as well just really popped out to me I said oh shit that's so true and relevant to my own situation here in Boulder Colorado and what it was was this character Evgenia Pavlovich who's this sort of conservative windbag character uh, but he starts talking about Russian liberalism and how he thinks there's no such thing as true Russian liberalism because in Russia, the liberal party, when someone disagrees with you, the thing is to attack that person. If, if the person disagrees with you, the person becomes discredited in your eyes and you're just trying to put the person down. And... Furthermore, that it, whatever they're saying, it doesn't matter the particulars of the situation, even if you're wrong, because what really matters is making a statement, some grand ideological statement about general concepts where, that seem related to that situation. Do you, do you think that's true? Have you experienced that? Uh, I don't know if I've experienced that personally but i I definitely get the idea Mm -hmm. and i definitely see how that see how that applies here yeah um although although you know i don't know if this is exactly what you're saying but but it it does kind of get to the the criticism that people are just going based are are you know having conversations with each other based more off based more on ideology than on their own thinking Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and then even going further, if someone brings up an idea that isn't one of the main talking points, that you're also in the same way discredited for not talking about the thing that you're supposed to be talking about. Um, now, now this, this sounds exactly like what Ben Shapiro is talking about and blaming the left and it's all the liberals' fault, but... For me, I, I've actually experienced this firsthand uh, living in Boulder, Colorado, which is very hyper-extremist liberal, I would say. Would, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as a whole, I mean, I'm there are lots of rich people living there too, which mm-hmm. I think on the whole might might tend to be a little bit more conservative than, than Boulder's image would suggest, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it has the core of the university there, and I think also a, a lot of innovation culture, which lends itself to you know pretty well-off people who like to show that they drive their electric cars around and drink uh, almond milk lattes rather than <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny because when you're in it you don't notice it so much, or at least me personally, I didn't see it as unusual. It was just, that's the way things are. These are the people that make up the world around me. But after having, after having left that situation, looking back and, and noticing that, that that was really pretty repressive, that the way that you're discouraged and discredited if you talk about things 
other than the main agreed upon talking points. Yeah. I mean, like what, what specific situations did you experience that in? Um, so me personally, (laughs) (laughs) that you're comfortable talking about. (laughs) Okay. This, this is a little bit controversial and, um, uh, I think a lot of my friends may disagree with me on this. Do you remember there was that big old scandal in Colorado? There was like a cake maker and there was a gay couple who wanted to hire the cake maker to custom decorate a wedding cake and to put two men, two male sculptures on it. And the cake maker said, I don't really want to do that because it's contrary to my beliefs. And there was a huge, everyone got really mad and they're like, God damn it, you better make that fucking cake. We're going to go march around outside your cake shop and show you you're a shithead. Do you remember that? I, I do. I <laughs> forgot that was in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, I, I believe some people in my social circle actually went down to the cake shop. They went to, took a road trip, drove a few hours to go protest outside the cake shop. Wait, do you remember which year this was that would have been 2017 2018 okay so that was like our last year of school uh after it was it was when i was working in the coffee shop oh okay <laughs> yeah that, that explains why i don't remember <laughs> anyone <laughs> going down there or over there whatever mm-hmm. and yeah like i i happened to have the opinion that while i very much disagree with this guy's conviction about homosexuality it's not my or anyone's place to tell him that he has to create a thing that expresses a particular idea. And I I shared that idea and of course was shot down for even mentioning (laughs) a different idea than the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think I have to agree with you on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cause I mean that, that, you know, uh, (laughs) I mean, I think the solution is if you if you disagree with them, you know, publicize that the specific cake, you know, bakery, whatever, doesn't is, you know, conservative and, mm-hmm. and doesn't think gay people should get married. And then, you know, just as, ask as many people who live there to boycott the, the place as you can. And, you know, yeah, oh. I mean, there is there is the I mean, I, I think part of the argument was was that that was like the only like wasn't part of the thing that it was like kind of a small town and that was like the only cake maker within a certain radius or something. <laughs> the certain, I, I don't know. I don't think that matters at all. <laughs> it's like you can't, you can't make the, but anyway, it, it, it's, it's about, uh, it's again, it's that same situation where you have this thing that looks like it's like making some grand statement, political statement. It seems like this is, an affront to gay rights and stuff like that. And it's a huge regression if this is allowed to go forward as it is. And yet, if you look at the actual situation, the details of it don't represent the ideological message that people are trying to say. I don't. I don't know about that. I guess I have to unpack a little bit what you mean, because because what what do you think they're actually trying to say? Well, what I remember a lot of uh, the opposition to the cake maker was saying was kind of taking the stance that 
if you let this guy say he's not going to make a cake for gay people and you make that legal, then that opens the door legally for people to discriminate against gay people in all sorts of other ways. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going to ser- serve you at this restaurant because you're gay. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. But, but th- there's the, there's the obvious argument that, that that doesn't involve like direct celebration or, or aiding and, and, you know, gay marriage or whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is my point that it's a totally different thing. And yet it was being presented as a slippery slope scenario or it's all, all sort of the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see your point there. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I'm, I'm equally uncomfortable like coming down on that side of the, <laughs> that, that particular argument, but yeah, I, I get your point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, this might be a useful place for us to talk about the idea of, of privilege mm. and yeah. The, and, you know, specifically uh, cis straight white male privilege. What? Who me? <laughs> you you on the screen <laughs> well yes i think i think part of the the problem with with all this stuff is is that it's become kind of a meme hmm. you know what do you mean well well like you know first it's just you know white privilege then it's male white privilege then it's straight white male privilege and then it's cis straight white male privilege mm-hmm. You're just kind of adding on, like tacking on more and more, more and more things onto the same concept. If that makes sense? Yeah. In the same pa- same way, people will, you know, make jokes about how first it was, you know, LGBT, then it's LGBTQ, and mm-hmm. there's like, you know, letters that just just keep getting added on. Uh-huh. Um, and and in both situations, I totally understand. Like, I don't think it's it's like I totally get the reason that we have to keep, you know, qualifying all these things. Mm-hmm because reality is complicated and there are lots of things to consider. Right. But it does kind of make these things hard to talk about because people, a lot of people will just kind of put up a wall immediately and be like, Oh, you just want to be like, you know, politically correct about everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to walk on pins and needles to even have this conversation Mm -hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think, I think, I think there is a question around like, is it, is it useful for, to people like us to be having these kinds of conversations because we're privileged yeah because we're just straight white males what, what aspect of this conversation would lend itself to that we shouldn't do it because of that because we're talk, talking about people who have less of those privileges yeah, well, and a lot of you know a lot of the IDW stuff kind of revolves around a backlash against all this social justice stuff. Mm. And like, I've, as I mentioned, I, you know, I think, I don't know about Ben Shapiro, but, but I think pretty much everyone else is like pro gay marriage. You know, mm-hmm. if you ask them probably pro trans rights, although that's like trans rights are kind of like the sticking point mm. for a lot of these people. Um, well, which I'll say is definitely among the things that I disagree with them about. And I think is, is pretty harmful about the whole thing. Mm. Anyhow, and, and they're all, a lot of them, I think most of them are, have had pretty pretty strong reactions against all the you know the protests that were happening this year that kind of thing mm. so yeah so so that the, the the whole idw thing is very tied up in like uh trans rights and, and black rights that whole that whole thing mm. yeah that, that's why i think it's relevant i see 
But I feel like if a privileged person is speaking in opposition to people expressing themselves and the people who are of less privileged or differently privileged groups expressing themselves, then cer certainly there's a problem there. Um, again, if it's in opposition to them expressing themselves. Short of that, I think it totally makes sense to share your ideas regardless of your position. Um, in this video, Sam Harris says, rationality is the mode of thinking where it doesn't matter who you are to come to the right answer. And I don't, I don't think this is wholly conclusive. I think that uh, maybe there are aspects of the situation that you can't see from a privileged situation. You can only really know by experiencing the other side of it. But I think there is a kernel of truth here that rationality, um, you, you can contribute to a meaningful discussion even if you aren't privy to both sides or all sides of the situation. Yeah, yeah, I, def I definitely agree. Although this kind of gets into the more the more radical far left stuff about you know even the concept of re rationality is I don't know exactly what they would say. This is kind of kind of critical theory stuff. Have you heard of critical theory? Critical no, theory? what is that? Okay, so so basically the gist of it is that it's focused on revealing and challenging power structures. Could you elaborate a little on that? Yeah, so it's the whole like you know dismantle the patriarchy. Societies built on white male patriarchy, that kind of thing, mm. and and that and that white male patriarchy has has infiltrated almost every part of society. Mm. It can be found almost everywhere, which you know is definitely true in a lot of places. Like I can see, a, you know, you know that argument does have some some credence, mm. but that maybe it's not the only valuable talking point, and to have a, a richer discussion would require deviating from that language and maybe embracing ideas shared by people who you might disagree with on a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For example, yeah. Uh, do you, do you have written down, what was the name of the, the one woman who was a member of this video? Oh yeah. Uh, Christine, Christina Hoff Summers. Yeah. So in this video, Christina Hoff Summers puts forward the idea that it, she mentions that she doesn't want to use the word patriarchy anymore and instead says that there's other elements of the situation that could be addressed, which, for example, men being neglected in, in the homes and in the schools, in, in places where men are struggling, there are not, or boys are struggling, there are not support systems to help them through that, whereas there has been a strong step forward in supporting girls in similar areas. And she, she says that the steps forward that feminism has made to helping women is amazing and has done a lot of positive stuff, and that maybe it would be more helpful now to also focus on providing the same support systems for men and boys. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, by the way, I think she's the 
the mother-in-law of of Tamler Summers, one of the very very bad wizards guy. Oh, hey, guys, which is why they have like they have like an annual Thanksgiving, uh, like conversation debate because <laughs> they're like on pretty opposite sides of things. Wow. Yeah, and that was that was so interesting to me because there's some things that she said, like she she really seems to believe in traditional gender roles and like you know standard families with the man of the house and the women. And I don't necessarily accept that as being a gold standard, but that doesn't stop me from appreciating the value of these ideas that she's sharing. Yeah, again, I, I think I think part of her point is that you know not all not all boys growing up are the same, and we can't treat everyone the same. And and you know, mm-hmm. so, some 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 boys need different things than than other others do. It it also kind of gets to. I mean, this I feel like this is a pretty common kind of argument among people in, in idw just just like i agree you know i agree with feminism or i i agree i agree with social ju- social justice but you know at this point right now it's going too far like the stuff from the past was good mm-hmm. you know right but huh. we're actually you know we actually need to to like roll it back a little bit now mm-hmm. because it's it's actually harming things which i'm i'm wary of of that kind of argument yeah um so that's a really good point because I do get the sense that a lot of the members of this group hold that sort of stance. And I wonder if maybe we could put a finer point on why they believe that. And that maybe there's a kernel of truth there, despite them coming to this, what I would consider uh, a wrong conclusion. And so I want to unpack that a little bit. Why do they feel this way? What makes this reaction against the political extremists specifically on the left and what i think it comes down to is not any particular topic of conversation going too far that that's the problem it's more the mode of conversation where when someone disagrees with you that person is instantly shot down um i was touching on this a little bit earlier it's kind of remarkable to me that that this novel uh, written in the what 18th century by dotsoyevsky in russia (laughs) so aptly describes the exact same situation that feels like so relevant specifically to our time right now um uh, 19th, 19th century though, right? 19th century, is that it? I was, or 1800s. 18, right? Yeah, 19th right, right, century, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get that mixed up sometimes. Um, so I have to slow down here because I think there's a lot of... I think that all across the board, there's a tendency for people to group other people into groups and then judge them based on that grouping. Definitely. And this is kind of like a a straw man situation. I'll give you an an example. You have the people like Ben Shapiro who are saying, ah, it's these liberals there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really impressed how good your Ben Shapiro impression is after, like, was this like your first time hearing him talk? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so Ben Shapiro 
harps on liberals for wanting to be politically correct and embracing censorship and so sort of vilifies the left as as being the problem this is the culprit of of why we can't have a meaningful conversation but i think this is a bit of a straw man even though it's true that there are extremists who embrace the ideology of of censoring people who disagree with them as we've just discussed even though there are extremists i think the majority of people don't care about that you you hear this term politically oh pc pc only only republicans say the that term you know um and well, i mean I, I don't know about i don't know about that uh okay maybe maybe, maybe not but that personally that's where i've heard it uh, so, so, so it's may may often be true, but I think it's mis in it's misunderstanding the core honest intention behind that impulse of political correct correctness, which is caring about creating a nurturing environment for all people, even the misfits, even the weird gay people who everyone hates because they're not like us, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean that that is you know, that that is the goal. Mm-hmm. I, the I, I think, and, and it's that impulse that's behind the more extreme embracing of censorship and stuff. And I, I don't think most people really do embrace censorship and political correctness in that sense. Yeah, well, and it's also it's also a complicated issue. What exactly we mean by censorship? Mm. Yeah, and right because I mean. Yeah. Because I mean, like, I mean, it's it's changed a lot recently because now Twitter is like labeling tweets by Donald Trump, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, as being factually inaccurate. And I mean, the, one of the other big things that happened, I think, recently was that Alex Jones got kicked off Facebook. <laughs> um, I mean, those, those are really extreme examples. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Jones in particular, because he's just so like full of shit off his rocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, you can still have a website where you can put pretty much anything you want, you know, write, write any opinions that you want. Mm. And, you know, and you can probably still post whatever you want on Twitter or, or Facebook. It's, it's more, uh, I, I think, I think part of, part of it though, is, is it connects to people, um, you know, losing their jobs because they have, they have certain beliefs, mm. um, which, I I don't, you know, I can't really speak to how often that happens really. Mm. Um but I, I think that that is kind of where people complain about about the whole censorship mm-hmm. question. Yeah. And I think it's undeniable that there are certain situations where it really does go off the rails and um I, I think it's specifically that mode of conversation that shuts people down for contributing in the wrong way right if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow there's lots of ways you can do that you can go follow us on facebook or instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice we're on pretty much everyone out there Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.
So I, I feel like this this all connects to this idea of, of bad faith that people will bring up a lot. Mm. Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is another one of my criticisms of, of the IDW is that they, they talk so much about the, the value of, of conversation and solving problems and about how people only, you know, people are stuck in their little bubbles and they only talk to people who agree with them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then I, I think specifically... Well, Joe Rogan and Sam Harris specifically, I, I, I've heard talk about how there there are certain people they just don't think it's worthwhile having conversations with, yeah, because they're kind of out to get the other person, mm-hmm. or or they're just so far beyond being convinced of anything that it's not really useful to try to change their mind. And all the other person is really going to do is just try to make, yep, you, you know, make them look bad and, and get some kind of gotcha moment. Where it's like, oh, you're racist or you're yeah. sexist or you know whatever. There isn't the good um, faith that you're there to have a meaningful discussion and to engage in intellectualism. Right, right. I totally agree with that. That was what I was driving towards, actually. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And although to put a broader point on that, maybe, maybe a, a bad faith situation could go beyond the like particularly they're out to get you toward sharing a particular agenda where you have like a particular idea or set of ideas that you hold to be true despite any rational reason and you're going to put that that idea forward as if it's being intellectual when in reality it's just uh your personal convictions which i think i can't entirely criticize that because i think that's part of how discussion happens like every idea that you put out there doesn't have to be a good idea it doesn't have to be right that's the point of the discussion you bring it out there for people to to air it and examine it and see where it has merits and where it doesn't yeah yeah i think i think part of that is what, what, how you distinguish something being quote unquote intellectual mm-hmm. and something being a personal conviction. Cause a lot of this, you know, a lot of this, I mean, that's, that's literally what critical theory is. It's like this very academic take on all these ideas. And then it has a lot of, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's definitely intellectual, you know? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but people can still, hold those ideas as as personal convictions that they're not gonna gonna change if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah there's not the good faith that they are willing to allow their own ideas to be changed Mm -hmm. yeah so why do you think that is how do we get to this sort of landscape that almost seems to encourage that sort of reactionism well i think it's really interesting and, and part of the reason i think it's it's good for for people like us to be having this conversation is that i think we kind of came of age right in the middle of it Mm. like all these all these uh speakers getting canceled at schools and and the whole idw thing and this kind of backlash against you know what was seen as far left social justice stuff that was like happening 
like literally as as we went through college and i remember uh <laughs> you know have, having these these long skype conversations with with my girlfriend maddie uh we were long distance mm-hmm. all throughout college and and she was you know like on tumblr where all this stuff was like, all this far left stuff was kind of being passed around and um i remember yeah i remember just having long <laughs> talks slash debates slash arguments about a lot of this <laughs> stuff and I, I, it started with the whole like uh cultural appropriation thing because that mm. you know pretty pretty relevant being a, a composer yeah you know at a music school yeah so i i think i think part of the reason that it's our generation is because of social media and the internet because mm. we're you know we were kind of one of the first generations that's grown up with that you know at least since we were in high school, right? Mm. I don't know. I don't know how early you got on on I think middle school, Facebook, and social media. Yeah, I, I only got one. I think my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we from a fairly early age, it's it's had had some kind of influence over our lives, and I think that you know, we know that it kind of silos people into into different categories based on what they believe and creates these bubbles um, mm. and these echo chambers where people can kind of have their beliefs become more and more you know extreme and uh kind of concentrated mm-hmm. uh, at the same time you know on, on like youtube I, I don't they've i think probably changed the algorithm at this point because it's such a i feel like it's a pretty well-known thing now that those algorithms were like pushing people down extreme rabbit holes mm-hmm. but but i think all that kind of stuff ha- has contributed to to that happening uh, at this particular time i think you're totally right and i think there's another element we have to consider as well which is politics and media exploration of politics you know like you were saying there's like the five guys on cnn talking about whatever and they have their one minute Mm -hmm. to get their idea in and i think it's so much more intensified by the fact that every single one of those bastards is paid off you know (laughs) like yeah there's lobbyists who pay a lot of money to have particular politicians or media i media entities say particular ideas and so it's it's like that's what their job is is to say to to push forward a particular idea regardless of how true that idea is or who that idea benefits yeah i mean i don't i don't know if that's harmful on its own really because well I mean, <laughs> it, because all, I mean, all that's doing is, is motivating them to put forth the best argument that they possibly can for whatever position it is. Don't you think? I don't think so. I think the, because of the, the way the, because of the reactionary culture that we have, it's not about putting forth the best arguments. People don't really care about that. It's about putting forward the loudest arguments, the one that sounds good. It's about speaking eloquently, even if you don't have anything to say, just to make yourself sound better than the other guy. Yeah, yeah, or or putting putting forth the most like emotionally wrenching, convincing yeah, argument, exactly. if not necessarily the, the like the tightest one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's with an ulterior motive. It, it's not honest. It's not something that you they believe inherently. Right. Right just say as well i think this also explains the element of the culture that will criticize people for saying things other than the main talking points like 
there's one thing where if you disagree with the main top talking point you you get ostracized but there's another where if you talk about something that's a different topic than some of the things that you're supposed to be talking about then it's almost worse or it's almost just as bad um and and you can be be criticized for that and i think it's like this sense that there isn't enough time to get your idea out there and like there's the stage and you have to present these particular ideas on the stage at this time because there won't be another opportunity and i th- i think that that's true about these media politic situations where you just have your minute of soundbite to put forward your your platform's idea you know yeah i mean i i've i've never personally experienced like being criticized for saying something that's off topic but i I, you know i have (laughs) again i haven't i haven't been in a whole lot of real world conversations or or like any conversations about this kind of thing (laughs) except except for with like maddie yeah um (laughs) and and you know maybe, maybe like once or twice with other friends um but i feel like it's less being off topic and well it's like two two things i guess so like one by saying something that's not like a main talking point you risk saying something that's just slightly wrong or like takes slightly the wrong stance on something you know like it assumes it like assumes something that's that's a little bit problematic or or like neglects something or are you saying that it actually does or that that's the impression that a lot of reactionary people hold uh i guess that's an open question i mean uh, uh, according to to whoever according to the I- ideology of whoever you're talking to mm-hmm. uh it, it would be correct that it's that it's misplacing something or um you know making a bad assumption or mm-hmm. well or, ha- you know. can i give you an example of a situation this happened to me sure um at the coffee shop in boulder when i was working there which i, I hated by the way um, <laughs> everyone's so rude all the all the rich people who think they know better than you and loser at what are you behind the counter you know you're not even making a hundred grand what are you some posers anyway. uh, uh, what was i talking about <laughs> um, right so when i was working at the coffee shop after having come back from the Netherlands where I spent a semester abroad and I learned in the Netherlands that a lot of people in Europe, generally the consensus of the word racist is that it refers specifically to the extremist sort of almost eugenicist racial superiority where you think your race is better than other people's races like inherently and anything right like like white supremacy exactly and anything short of that it may be problematic but it's not racism and i i i think that this may be a valuable i think that this may be a valuable way to talk about this issue because for example you have in our in in America you have these tense sort of situations that arise from having people of different heritages with the violent uh background that we do have uh, of subjugation 
and being forced to share share a space together uh, with with that heritage and and you have like for example a lot of white people who just don't know about like they know that slavery happened but they don't know the impact that that can have on a person even generations later they don't know the daily struggles that someone in uh in in the position of the african americans have and so they act callously and stupidly unaware of uh how that could actually hurt people who are trying to make uh, a reasonable statement and that's that's not the same thing as going around with white caps and saying we're better than you it's just ignorance i guess i guess i was also thinking about a situation in um a, a hypothetical situation in did you ever watch that netflix show uh, dear white people no well it, it deals with these concepts and it, it's like uh black students in uh white preppy ivy league college and you know there's like a one of the main characters is uh, a black woman who talks about her her challenges living in this in this sort of environment and she has this radio show she calls dear white people where she sort of sort of shows these um sort of in unawarenesses of of her white colleagues about about her situation and then of course there's like the white people who have the white 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 boys who have the college like newspaper and then they like do a party and they call it dear black people and <laughs> it's like really cringy stuff but like, yeah <laughs> i think exploring real things that actually tend to happen in this country <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah like the people ask why we don't have a, a white history month oh fuck yeah uh-huh <laughs> just like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah or or straight pride month you know. <laughs> <Fucking> hell. <laughs> um but yeah to to go back to kind of what you're saying about the the term racist and all that I definitely agree that the the term has kind of lost some of its weight mm -hmm. because it gets applied to so many things. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a specific example. I was gonna I was gonna say cap like saying capitalism is racist, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, or like uh, white people celebrating Cinco de Mayo. I think that I think that's a whole different category of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But maybe it maybe but, not racist. Just like uneducated <laughs> oh yeah 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 i see what you mean. <laughs> yeah yeah of, of course it's it's you know it's it's a it's a fine line because if there was some cinco de mayo celebration being put on by by actual hispanic people mm -hmm. you know that was like a citywide thing like i don't think anyone would consider it racist for you as a white person to go to that no of course right right but it's it's like oh let's throw a cinco de mayo party and you know as a bunch of white people and all get our, you know, paint our faces and, and wear sombreros and, and, you know, <laughs> well, all that stuff. It, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely <laughs> gradients. Yeah. 
but like uh, like even just like drinking and eating tacos on like maybe you don't have to do, wear the sombreros and paint your faces but like if you drink just drink a bunch and make a big deal of about it then that, that i mean i don't think that's that's racist that's i i mean it's celebratory it's you're, you're not making any caricatures or anything you're not displaying a race of people as being a particular thing you're just misunderstanding the fact that that just isn't a holiday that people in mexico actually celebrate <laughs> yeah no, I, I agree i agree and, and you know I, and the, the other point being you know if it's in your house and there's no one else there I mean, even if it's you know it's a if it's a party with your friends and you know assu- assuming none of it gets posted on social media which maybe <laughs> might not be a good assumption but you know if, if it was just like a self-contained thing like who cares you know hmm. <laughs> although you know it, <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be a slippery slope thing if if you I, apply that to I like, think that's you know, a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> if you make a racist joke with just white people around, that's okay, right? Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, the, the example I was going to go to is like blackface, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where I I would I would argue that if that's in your own house and no one sees that, that's still a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know. But back to back to stuff that's not so much like uh, cultural appropriation mm-hmm. type stuff. More, 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 more like the capitalism thing. More, more like there, there are like structural, like structural racism, that kind of thing. Sure. Which I acknowledge definitely exists and is definitely a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about it as racist in the same way and, and throwing the word racist around so much while not meaning people who either have some kind of uh, subconscious bias or subconscious bias or just uneducated or are like actively white supremacist. I feel like that, that kind of when people hear the word race, racist being applied to these things that in their minds seem obviously have to have nothing to do with race, mm-hmm. then it kind of uh, lessens the impact of the word a little bit. Yeah, I think so. So, so to go back to this idea of, of privilege a little bit, yeah, I, I don't know if you've you've seen any, seen any of this 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 kind of language, but but I you know I, I see a lot you know um, things like you know no one no one speaks for all black people, um, mm-hmm. you know no one speaks for all gay people that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then, then along with that is also well, maybe not along with that, and then other times you know you see uh, you know you you can find any any person of a specific identity that believes a, a certain thing you know. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can find black Trump voters. You can find you know Hispanic Trump voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you finding those people doesn't mean it's the majority opinion at all. Yeah, right. I know. I, I just feel like those two things are kind of in tension. Could you could you explain a little bit more about how 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 they're in tension? Yeah. Well, because the people saying you can find anyone. Okay. So let's take a take a specific example. Right. Which is. Um, the whole, the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, f- I feel like the kind of the the mainstream idea is that if, if you're a white person, you should not be uh, trusting your own instincts about about the problem of police violence mm-hmm. because you don't have any direct experience with what it's like for, for black people and specifically black men. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can find plenty of of black people and and specifically like black intellectuals who will 
who will have the opinion that uh, the problem is being at the very least overblown and is uh, yeah, is at the very least over overblown. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, one, one of the, one of the, one of the guys who I've, I've been become aware of like m- most recently is, is this, um, this guy Coleman Hughes, who's a, who's a philosophy philosophy student. I think he's still a student at, at Columbia. Um, but um, he, he kind of got taken under Sam Harris's wing and, and has his own podcast uh, conversations with Coleman. That's, that's really awesome. People should check it out. And he has this, he has this article I'll link to. Um, I think it's called um, data and stories or stories and data, something like that. It's all about how the perception that these police killings happen so often is kind of inflated by all these viral videos that we keep seeing mm-hmm. and that compared to how gigantic of a country the US is the, the fact that there's only like you know i think it's like 70 or something of these that happen a year mm-hmm. um is is actually like it's it's compared to the you know the number of of the number of interactions people have with police mm-hmm. every year it's like you know it's such a minuscule fraction of that mm-hmm. um and the country's big enough that you would uh you know it's it's never going to be that there are no you know no unarmed people or no unarmed black people that are shot every year right mm-hmm. and i mean the the other variable is you know people will say this doesn't happen anywhere anywhere else um uh but the other variable is that you know we live in the US and there's a second amendment and any you know police officer has has good reason to believe that the person there you know apprehending could be about to pull a gun on them at any moment you know mm-hmm. um and 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 you know Coleman Hughes was, will also say that that you know the number is is probably still too high and it could come down mm-hmm. more from where it is. But the the idea that we could actually get to zero is probably unrealistic. And as long as there are you know even even a handful of those incidents every year, um, they're all going to get blown up on social media, mm-hmm. and the perception will be that it's an epidemic still. Interesting. So yeah, I, I mean, I was yeah. You know, he he says in that article like he was you know totally on the bandwagon with the whole black lives matter thing mm-hmm. and you know like war you know he he you know he had this shirt with all the people's names on it you know mm-hmm. he wore that around proudly and then he kind of became a little bit more disillusioned with it um with the whole movement mm-hmm. well, part, part of the other the 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 thrust of his article is that there you know there have been a bunch of studies that have been done on on the rates of police violence and uh there's links in the article but um Basically, if you adjust for the number of interactions people have with police, that actually, uh, on average, more white people, more unarmed white people get shot mm. per year. Does, do and you know, the reason, do you know if that accounts for the fact that there is like eleven white people for every black person in the country? Yeah, no, it does. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, so. So the reason there's kind of the, the, the discrepancy is that there's there's more police activity in in poorer areas mm-hmm. of, of cities which tend to have bigger minority populations right. right so it is it is disproportionately more unarmed black people are shot based on population mm-hmm. but if you account for police interactions it's a, it actually goes the other way um, mm-hmm. and so you could then ask the question why are police having more interactions right? Um, mm. and you could say that maybe that's the problem. And I think that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> mm. Um, but, uh, 
it is true that that's that's kind of where the the crime is is concentrated in those in those poorer areas right yeah um and and i should say this this is this has been like a right-wing talking point and a lot of people had, have said it's irrelevant and i i'm still not quite sure what to believe mm-hmm. um but this is this is all kind of make the, the point that um that there is this very prevalent idea that you know you can't you know if if you're privileged you, sh- you sh- shouldn't believe x because that's you're believing that based on your lack of experience mm-hmm. or your you know your lack of personal experience whereas there's this person who doesn't have that privilege who believes the same thing mm. and even if they're in the minority they still you know even if they're in the minority opinion they're you know they're they're, they're still just going off of their their own experience I think you may have a, a really good point there because I am really nervous to talk about this <laughs> the subject that you just brought up uh, as a as a white man. I, I somehow have the feeling that I, I shouldn't be talking about it, and yet it seems like a lot of the things you've said have merit, and I can't discuss card or discredit any of that mm-hmm. i i should add i should add um all those all those studies i mentioned mm. what they did find is that there is a a higher incidence of of like violence against minorities mm-hmm. from police officers yeah um you know non-lethal violence but i mean so there there is definitely a problem and there's definitely like systemic racism within the uh within policing mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's arguing against that. That it's a very specific argument that that the numbers of of unarmed black people being killed isn't uh, actually disproportionately high. Mm-hmm. And, and along with that, that uh, police killings of unarmed unarmed people is you know is a problem just on the whole. Like it's it's not just not just black people. And again, that that goes like right against the yeah <laughs> the whole message of uh, so I, a Black Lives Matter. So I'm I'm you know wary of saying that um trevor all, all lives matter <laughs> so yeah you, you were saying uh you're you're yeah hesitant to even even talk about it mm-hmm. something something yeah yeah and uh, I, I don't know if there's a a reason that i should be hesitant to but i i do feel a, a strong reluctance to make any any sort of stance on that and i I guess maybe it's just that i am am not super familiar with the data and if i were to look into these ideas that maybe maybe i could form a a stance one way or another but it's uh hard to embrace one stance in particular over another when looking at data can i i I don't know i i don't i don't know how how to finish this idea well i think i think kind of kind of what you might be getting at or you know part of what ties into this is uh you know i i haven't read all those papers word for word either you know Mm -hmm. i i have i have seen you know multiple you know multiple articles by people i i trust to be pretty unbiased talking about them Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not it's not out of the question that they could have some kind of that the the papers could have some kind of you know error in methodology or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But but it kind of gets to like for a lot of these things, 
especially things that involve science, you know, mm. like no one can be an expert in all of them. And to some level we do have to, to trust authority figures. Right. And, and just kind of put our faith in that we're <laughs> putting our faith in the right people. Yeah. Jeez. That's scary. Um, <laughs> Maybe what I'm getting at is that it's valuable to be able to consider these ideas and to discuss them without necessarily needing to take one stance or the other. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, ra- rather than like saying, oh, these studies that you've just mentioned are definitely true, I'm trusting them, and therefore I'm going to take the stance that this whole thing is blown out of proportion and we're wasting our energies on this thing where we could be spending it otherwise. Uh, I could take that stance, but I'm not going to because I understand that the these particular data that point in this towards these facts may support a worldview in line with that, but they may be wrong as well, or they may be, uh, I don't know. I mean, just like being able to look at the data that you've just mentioned and consider some of the ramifications with, about it without taking some moral stance on it without saying oh these guys are wasting their time with their with this movement or whatever just just to accept that this these things might be true and it's worth talking about it's worth learning more yeah yeah definitely and, and i think i think the main takeaway is that it is more complicated of an issue than people give it credit for mm, maybe yeah because it it does just kind of get turned into this. This is so obvious. Uh, you know, how could you possibly disagree with mm. uh, the fact that this is such a huge problem? Um, you know, if you do, like, I can't even be friends with you. Mm, you know, yeah. uh, I, I don't want to hear it. You know, <laughs> you're not going to convince me. Um, yeah, and, and again, uh, the in, in criticizing in in taking all this data into account it's it's by no means saying that there aren't racist cops or that mm. that systemic racism doesn't exist within that De- within definitely. some or even most police departments mm. you know or that any of these these any of these cops involved in these shootings aren't racist or you know so i mean some of them some of them probably are some of them probably aren't you know mm. um and i think it's valuable as well to consider why people get in this sort of reactionary state where they look at situations they look at people disagreeing with them and their reaction is to criticize and vilify rather than trying to have valuable discourse why why does this happen and i think it's essential to consider even even anyone who falls into that is a person and i think we can have compassion um in understanding how that is because because sometimes someone will say something that you disagree with and there's so many ramifications to them disagreeing that must imply that they haven't thought the thing through 
but it's so painfully obvious to you. You think, how could they not have thought this thing through? And you come to the conclusion that they don't have good faith. They are not trying to have a valuable discourse. And so you fall into criticizing the person because you recognize that engaging in in conversation with that person is not going to be helpful. I think maybe it's also important to recognize that that, that impression might not actually be accurate, that maybe a lot of the time people who disagree with you do have good intentions they just happen to come from such a wildly different background and social landscape that you don't have the same core understandings. And so maybe by discussing it, you can help them to understand your perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think part of what that gets at is also, uh, again, this, this idea of privilege, because I feel like uh, specifically with, with, I think you would use the word reactionary, mm-hmm. which I think is, is uh, I think it's a term that can kind of be, be weaponized mm. against people uh, be, because it can be applied to people who are, are directly affected by the issue you're talking about. Yeah. And, and if you're a privileged person and you're saying, Oh, you're just, you know, you're so reactionary. Why can't you just have this logical, you know, facts based mm. discourse about this issue? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, that's, that's the whole problem of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you, you can have this like removed perspective and, and quote unquote, you know, objective, <laughs> logical perspective on this issue. Yeah. Um, and, and this other person is just reactionary and emotional and all that stuff. And, and so I, I don't think it's, it's such a like, like, yeah, bad faith and reactionary don't necessarily go together. I don't think. Yeah. I think you're entirely right on that. So I guess to wrap up, maybe let's take it back to the whole actual, intellectual dark web things i feel like we maybe got a little <laughs> yeah <laughs> little sidetracked mm-hmm. i am I, I don't know if i asked you this how, how many of these these guys slash one woman <laughs> were you <laughs> have you like heard heard their names only a few i would say yeah. ben Ben shapiro um sam harris uh jordan peterson yeah yeah we didn't we didn't really talk about jordan peterson too much but mm what a <laughs> it's interesting uh, <laughs> I, I i would actually like to discuss some of his ideas because i think i very much disagree with him on some points and he also seems to have some really f- fascinating ideas yeah yeah he, he's he's been labeled i think uh king of the incels oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow I, I need to do some more research on that <laughs> <laughs> does he sound like your kind of guy uh, uh. <laughs> um yeah he's he's a whole whole can of worms he yeah he said some pretty like shitty things i i imagine even from this short clip there there's certain red flags that made me think oh that guy thinks some things that i really really do not agree with and are very problematic yeah. but he also said some yeah. really fascinating things regarding consciousness and maybe we can explore that in another day another day the, the whole can of worms i mean yeah yeah 
yeah yeah it's it's interesting how how kind of self-contained a a a set of people this is Mm. like i'm sure i'm sure for a majority of our friends like all these people besides maybe ben shapiro ben shapiro Mm. (laughs) (laughs) would be like totally off the map Mm. you know like i've never maybe joe rogan too but like yeah i've never heard of them no idea you know Mm -hmm. um yeah and that that makes me wonder like how how big of an impact it can really have how do you mean well like well it kind of gets back to like a lot of this is happening in podcast format and how many people actually listen to to these long-form podcasts Mm -hmm. that are gonna get their mind changed by them Mm -hmm. i don't know like it it seems it seems a little bit uh futile i don't know i mean are, are we trying to change the world by this i I, I mean, I think they are. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Ben Shapiro is. <laughs> I mean, I think they all. I think they all kind of are or want to. Yeah, uh, maybe to some extent. I, I'm just thinking about that one instance where Shapiro is talking to Sam Harris and asking him how optimistic he is about. Uh, the state of discourse and Sam Harris kind of says yeah I don't know I mean I think we're not going to have any problems with being censored I think we're fine but I don't know how that affects the global discourse he said he doesn't know how that affects the global discourse Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. paraphrasing I I, I will say Sam Harris is by far I think the most level-headed of any of these guys (laughs) and the one I I think I agree with the most Mm. about anything yeah, I, and he—he, he, I, I should also say he's like pretty much been on the fringe of this whole group, and I, and recently just completely disavowed it. After, oh, really? yeah, because a lot of the people, I forget exactly what it—it it was something about the election and and Trump and mm-hmm. uh, people just not. There's there's a video we'll link to where he I, that'll kind of go into it. But yeah, I mean it, it's always been like unofficial group, and he's kind of been on the the f- fringes of it. Mm. Um, Too fringe for the fringe. i mean he he was also like he was also kind of my my doorway into this whole kind of podcasting long-form conversation thing Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i have have a little bit of a soft spot for him you know even if he he says some kind of stupid (laughs) sometimes (laughs) well i think that's what all this is about is maybe not discredit disavowing people based on like one thing they said and maybe just considering their ideas for what what they are and embracing that rather than throwing them under the bus for disagreeing on a single point yeah yeah i think i think though we have to take things on on a on a case-by-case basis Mm. and i think this was something i kind of realized during i think might have been like the last <laughs> big big argument i had with maddie about this kind of thing i remember it was on it was on a road trip but we always get into these like intense <laughs> discussions on road trips and stuff oh um um <laughs> but uh it, it was kind of the first time i was talking to her about about sam harris and uh and i was like yeah he, he really like set my my head straight on this whole like free speech on college campuses thing mm. And then we started specifically talking about uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Do you know who that is? No. He he actually. I remember he came to see you when we were there, and there were there were a bunch of people going to protest him 
and I even like, you know, there, there was a Google doc that was getting passed around to, you know, what, what to say to people if they criticize you protesting him or, you know, mm. um, I ended up not going, but, um, you know, all the stuff about how, you know, free speech does, is, you know, free speech is kind of a, a convoluted term and what does it actually mean? And, and, you know, not everyone has equal access to free speech and, mm. and that whole thing. But I think, I think he's definitely, this is kind of, you know, what we, what we came to is, is that, uh, you have to take things on a case by case basis because he specifically has like outed trans people at his, uh, at his talks, mm. you know, full, in a crowd full of people who would, you know, want to actually, you know, do harm to them. Jeez. And like, yeah. So like that's, that's a case where it's like, no, he's just actually like harmful and actually mm. like a threat mm-hmm. and, you know, shouldn't the, the, the idea, ideal of free speech does not apply in that situation because there's, it, there's, real possibility of harm mm. well, malicious to like vulnerable people yeah yeah so yeah i, I think you have to take, take things on a on a case-by-case basis but um mm. yeah in, in general like it's it's good to kind of hear people out yeah definitely well this may be continued <laughs> I yeah i think there's a lot to, we, we've gone on for uh longer than normal today yeah yeah, maybe we can discuss some of these topics um, more in depth individually for later episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
Yeah, she's, 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 she's